Hello and welcome to the Karma Sense Foodcast. I'm Davey H. and this is the Coffee ABC episode. coffee ABCs? Because in 2015, U.S. government agencies blessed coffee. And if you were reading this from when I originally posted the contents of this episode on my blog, you'd notice that the phrase agencies blessed coffee can be acronymized, a word I think I just made up, to ABC. Yes, that's right. I'm being lazy again and repurposing a blog post to a foodcast episode. But I do it out of love. Love for the people who don't want to scroll through my blog, but for some reason still want to listen to me. Love for my own time. And love for coffee. I love coffee so much that to further expand the KarmaSense media empire, I did what's expected of all digital media sources. I created an infographic about coffee that matches this episode. Stay tuned and you'll learn how to get your own copy of the Coffee Lover's ABC infographic, suitable for printing and framing. So... Let's get started. By congressional order, the United States Department of Agriculture and the Department of Health and Human Services issue the Dietary Guidelines for Americans every five years. I wrote a series about its content on the KarmaSense Wellness website that I link to in the show notes. These guidelines serve as the centerpiece for all nutritional policy for the United States. While their intent isn't to directly influence the diets of we the people, they have an indirect effect. For example, They influence agricultural subsidies and government-provided meal programs such as school lunches or the meals for our military. Ultimately, the guidelines create an economic system that determines how big food companies market, the advice you receive from healthcare workers, and the cost of products on supermarket shelves or drive-through windows. For the most part, regardless of the advancement of nutritional knowledge, the guidelines trail behind kicking and screaming. For example, even though science says fat isn't as evil as we once thought, the guidelines relaxed its recommendations for fat in the subtlest of ways that only a food wonk would care about or notice. But unlike with fat, out of the blue, without ever mentioning coffee before in the guidelines, they say the following, and I quote, Moderate coffee consumption, 3 to 5 8-ounce cups a day, or providing up to 400 milligrams a day of caffeine, can be incorporated into healthy eating patterns. The guidance on coffee is informed by strong and consistent evidence showing that, in healthy adults, moderate coffee consumption is not associated with an increased risk of major chronic diseases such as cancer or premature death, especially from cardiovascular disease. However, individuals who do not consume caffeinated coffee or other caffeinated beverages are not encouraged to incorporate them into their eating patterns." So, in other words, if you drink coffee, feel free to drink a couple of venties each day. If you don't have a caffeine habit, there's no need to start. You Mormons, you're cool. As far as the dietary guidelines for Americans go, this is pretty straightforward. Unlike other recommendations in the over 500 pages of material in the guideline, it's simple to understand and follow, which means I could shut up right here. But you know better than that. There's so much more to say about coffee. If I believed in superfoods, 
coffee would be at the top of the list. And since a picture is worth a thousand words, I created the infographic I mentioned. But I also have a thousand words. The whole point of the foodcast is to paint the complete picture when it comes to what we eat. Even though I often come at it from the standpoint of a nutritionist, food isn't only a source of nutrition, or even pleasure. Food is social and sensual. Food is history, science, language, and culture. And I believe when we get to that level of respect for food and how it's embedded in everything that we do, the good nutrition will eventually follow. So we begin the coffee lover's ABC with the letter A, which is for art. Coffee art is a thing. You know, every special interest needs a trade show. And one of those shows for coffee buyers and suppliers is Coffee Fest. It happens three times a year in different regions in the U.S. And the highlight of the show is the Latte Art World Championship Open. We've all seen those fancy floral designs our local hipster barista likes to add to the finishing foam of our brew. And you may have seen versions done like famous people or recognizable paintings. You can see a sample in the infographic and more in the show notes. And that's the last time I'm going to say that for a while. Anyway, the Latte Art World Championship Open is like the NCAA basketball tournament of impressionist baristas, only it takes me longer for me to be disappointed by the outcome. 64 entrants compete in a single elimination bracket in competition for this title until they narrow it down to one champion. So while A could be for antagonists or something like that, I'm saying A is for art. B is for brain. And that's because coffee boosts brain function. A recent meta-analysis, the gold standard in scientific research, looked at 41 well-designed studies from the last 15 years to examine how caffeine affects mood, cognitive function, performance, and hydration. As it relates to all of these variables, the study concluded that consuming up to 40 ounces of coffee a day provides benefits in these areas with minimal risk. Specifically, as it relates to cognitive skills, the study showed that caffeine led to improvements in memory, reaction time, mood, problem solving, and alertness. So B is for brain. C is for cortisol. Because caffeine's just too obvious. Many, but not all, of coffee's benefits come from the caffeine. But caffeine also can disrupt our metabolism by competing with our different hormones. Starting your day with a cup of coffee may be counterproductive. When you first wake up, your body releases cortisol, a stress hormone. It does this to provide the same jolt you're hoping to get from coffee. Peaking on both at the same time is a waste, especially since you build up tolerance to caffeine to a point of diminishing returns. Instead, it's better to drink coffee when your cortisol levels are low. This is usually mid-morning and in the afternoon. But be careful. Drinking coffee after about 2 p.m. will disrupt sleep and put you in a fatigue death spiral. Personally, I don't follow this tip. I drink coffee for more than just the jolt. But if your only reason for drinking coffee is the caffeine hit, remember that C is for cortisol. D is for downer. Yes, coffee and caffeine are uppers, but for some people, coffee can be a downer, as in a bummer. It should be avoided by people with ulcers, acid reflux, actually acid reflux, I think that's just what happens when I'm talking too much, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, or any other degenerative skeletal disease, insomnia, and certain mood disorders. And speaking of mood disorders, I'm not looking to bring us all down here, so I don't want to harp on D. 
but I bet you can guess what you can do if you want to explore any of these potential negatives more. E is for Ethiopia. Ethiopia is coffee's birthplace. My compadres in Hebrew school know of Ethiopia as a bookend to the Persian Empire of King Ahasuerus. From India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces. A song that, unfortunately for you, I can't find any reference to on the internets, which is why you have to suffer through me singing it. Little did I know at Hebrew school that Ethiopia was also the likely birthplace of brewed coffee. Its history is pretty murky, but all signs point to early 16th century Ethiopia as the first place to brew beans in hot water as a beverage. Coffee has a pretty entertaining history, and there's tons of resources for exploring it. I recommend the illustrated history on the website First We Feast, or David Liss's historical fiction novel called The Coffee Trader. It's set in the Jewish quarter of 17th century Amsterdam, when coffee first came to the West. The book's funny, intellectually stimulating, and finds yet another way to link coffee and Jews. And at no time does our hero break into song about Ease Ethiopia or any other Hebrew school memory. F is for fat. Coffee can destroy body fat. And I'm a guy who says all those articles you see about fat-burning foods are actually just burning your time. However, thousands of studies demonstrate caffeine and coffee's effect at attacking body fat. Keep in mind that coffee alone won't do the trick. Coffee and exercise is the best way to reduce fat. In fact, here's a protocol that's believed to get your body into accelerated fat-burning mode. Before having your first meal of the day, drink a cup of coffee and do some low-energy, steady-state exercise like walking, a slow jog, or light calisthenics. Afterwards, feel free to eat as you normally would. This caffeinated, fasted workout theoretically maximizes your fat-burning hormones. Now, for full disclosure, although fasting, low-energy, steady-state exercise, and caffeine have each individually demonstrated a fat-burning effect, there are no clinical studies proving the three together have any kind of multiplying effect. Also note that unless you wait until about 9.30 to have that cup of coffee, this advice flies in the face for the advice for letter C. C is for cortisol, which we already discussed. But enough about C and enough about F, which is for fat. G is for genes. Coffee's effects on our body are at least partially genetic. Nutrigenomics is the study of the interaction of nutrition and genes. Your genetic makeup determines how you as an individual process different foods. This is at least one of the reasons why two people of similar size and lifestyle have different responses to the same diet. One of these links is the CYP1A2 gene, which determines the speed at which a person processes caffeine. All the benefits of coffee drinking seem to occur with people who have the fast caffeine metabolism gene. The downsides seem to correlate with the people who have the slower version. The theory is that fast metabolizers flush the caffeine out before it can cause problems while still getting the benefits of the antioxidants in the coffee and initial benefits of the caffeine. Slower metabolizers have the caffeine in their system longer where it ultimately causes some of those downsides I mentioned. You know, D is for downer. And I'll make another reference to the show notes now because I include a link to a recent post I did about the state of linking our genotype to nutrition advice. We're a long way from that point and because of that, I choose to ignore the fact that my CYP1A2 genotype is CC, which makes me a slow metabolizer. And that's G is for genes. H is for hydrocinamic acid. 
Coffee is full of antioxidants. In fact, when you normalize for serving size, coffee is the largest source of antioxidants in the North American diet. Antioxidants repair the damage we do to our cells as we go through our day engaging in physical activity, breathing polluted air, and heading for our fourth plateful at Golden Corral. The cell damage leads to chronic diseases such as arteriosclerosis and cancer. Antioxidants like hydrocinamic acid work to repair these cells. Now, coffee contains other antioxidants, such as better known, amongst the odd circle of people I hang with, polyphenols. But it's about time for hydrocinamic acid to get its day in the limelight. Don't you think so? Other great sources of both polyphenols and hydrocinamic acid include chocolate, berries, and soy. So next time you go to Starbucks, say, I'll have a large raspberry mocha with soy milk, please. A large raspberry mocha with soy milk. Do you mean a venti? No, I mean large. He means a venti. Yeah, the biggest one you've asked. Venti is large. No, venti is 20. Yeah. Large is large. In fact, tall is large, and grande is Spanish for large. Venti's the only one that doesn't mean large. It's also the only one that's Italian. Congratulations, you're stupid in three languages. I is for it, as in doing it. Back in the day, when television still had standards, there was a quaint series of coffee commercials in which two neighbors slowly became acquainted with one another and advanced towards couplehood, thanks solely to the coffee that they shared. You're not gonna believe what happened. You're right, I'm not. <laughs> you don't believe your own brother? <laughs> I'm really sorry I'm late. Late? We're having coffee. This was trust. In time. Well, uh, I think you know everyone except. We've already met. We uh, share the same taste in coffee. Savor the sophisticated taste of Taster's Choice. Are you always this late? I won't be tomorrow. What's happening tomorrow? I'm inviting you to dinner. What makes you think I'll accept? You can't resist my coffee. These commercials were a big deal. Everyone was rooting for this couple to get it on. Based on a University of Texas study, Go Longhorns, the coffee couple's doing of it may have happened sooner than we all thought. The Longhorns study, and believe me, the irony of a sex study being done by the Longhorns is not lost on me, found that caffeine intake is associated with reduced erectile dysfunction. Because the coffee couple's canoodling happened under 1980 television standards, we may never know if they actually did it. Which is what I is for. J is for Java. The island of Java is the link to how the Western world finally got hooked on coffee. When we last left the history of coffee back in those halcyon days of exploring the letter E, E is for Ethiopia, coffee was emerging as the beverage of choice in Northeast Africa. Fast forward 150 years and Western Europe had discovered the gift of nature and demanded a reliable supply. Because coffee only grows within a narrow equatorial-centered band of the globe, and since the Dutch had no control over that territory in Africa, they exported beans from Ethiopia's neighbor, Yemen, and started to grow them in their colonies in what we now call Indonesia. And thus the nickname Java was born. K is for Kopi Luwak. Yes, fermented coffee is a thing. It's a karma sense thing to extol the virtues of fermented food and to throw challenge flags at the bullcrap products that ride a food fad's coattails. 
Foodcast episode 4 was dedicated to the subject of fermented food. Well, a new company called Afanur developed a process to ferment coffee beans, not to restock your body with precious gut bacteria, but to improve the flavor profile because fermentation removes some of coffee's bitter notes. This is not really a new development. Kopi Luwak is a processing method that's been around for ages. It involves feeding the coffee berries to Asian civet cats and allowing them to ferment in their digestive tracts. When the cats poop out the beans, they're further processed and result in what some claim is the smoothest coffee in the world. It's an expensive process, which is why a process that doesn't involve cat poop is a potential gold mine. We'll continue to keep an eye out on this <coughs> movement. You didn't really expect to escape a food cast without a poop joke, did you? L is for liver. Coffee counters the effect of drinking alcohol. Most people know that drinking alcohol is hard on the liver. Well, an extensive study funded by the World Cancer Research Fund, motto, you think your job's depressing, found strong evidence that drinking one cup of coffee each day can reduce the chance of alcohol-induced liver cancer by 14%. Irish coffee, anyone? M is for mate. Coffee mate, no. For some reason, people voluntarily add this abomination to their coffee. Of all the ways to cancel out the positive qualities of coffee, this might be the worst. I don't know why people use non-dairy creamer. Maybe it's because they're lactose intolerant, but there are better lactose-free options. It could be because they mistakenly think that dairy is bad for them. At worst, dairy is neutral for most people, you know, the people who aren't lactose intolerant or allergic, and it's beneficial for many. Or maybe they like that the coffee mates of the world have a long shelf life. Well, so does lead, which is also a poison. But coffee mate is total garbage. All 58 varieties are garbage. With the exception of their natural bliss line, they all contain trans fat. Even the fat-free version contains trans fat. They just get to call it fat-free because they do some clever math with the serving size. Meanwhile, the natural bliss line is something you can mix together on your own without the so-called natural flavors added by Nestle. To learn more about the natural flavor scam and their relation to beaver butts, I did a blog post, which is on the show notes. But that's why M is for mate. N is for nap. Coffee naps are a thing. Are you feeling the afternoon blahs and deciding whether to take a nap or chug another cup of coffee? For best results, do both. That afternoon fatigue is often the result of adenosine, a brain waste product that accumulates over time and makes you tired. When you sleep, it clears the adenosine out of your brain cells. Caffeine molecules compete for the same real estate in the brain as adenosine. If adenosine's already there, caffeine isn't as effective. When caffeine is the first to belly up to the brain bar, you feel that pleasant jolt of energy. To take advantage of this phenomenon, don't choose between a nap or some java. Do both. Drink a cup of coffee before taking a 20-minute nap. The nap will clear out the adenosine just before the caffeine reaches its destination in the brain. This little hack will maximize caffeine's effect. And that's why N is for nap. O is for O. As in, oh for fuck's sake. A member of the big food industry, Kraft Heinz, invented a lozenge 
that can form a multi-layered beverage that includes a spoonable component. Someday they plan to package coffee and cake in a single container. Look, I get it. Some people just think you can't have coffee without a piece of cake. The mother seems to hit the sauce pretty hard. I didn't like that. And who doesn't serve cake after the meal? What kind of people would kill them to put out a pound cake? Something. So they didn't give you a piece of cake. Big deal. It is a big deal. You're supposed to serve cake after a meal. I'm sorry. It's impolite. Not impolite. Stupid, that's what it is. Yeah. They stupid to do something like that. Your father is absolutely right. We're sitting there like idiots drinking coffee without a piece of cake. <laughs> stupid or not, I don't think this is what Frank and Estelle had in mind. P is for poop. Coffee is a laxative. I'm serious. This is not another poop joke. It is true that any food or drink that first enters your mouth in the morning may stimulate your urge to go, but there's a scientific basis for coffee being especially effective. The combination of caffeine in a hot beverage is known to increase the urgency for most people. Furthermore, coffee contains theophylline and xanthine, which are compounds that excite the, the colon. To get the straight sciency poop on coffee and poop, check out the show notes. Q is for Q. Coffee quality is based on a Q grading. Pick a category and we nerds will try and build a taxonomy around it. In the world of commodities, these taxonomies help to determine price. For example, there's the six C's of diamonds. Carrot weight, color, clarity, cut, cartels, and corruption. Quality is one of several variables that drives the price of coffee. Coffee buyers apply value to beans based on their Q grading as dictated by the CQI, Coffee Quality Institute. Go CQI Alexahentes! The Coffee Quality Institute is one of a number of associations and educational institutions that defends the right of the coffee special interests. These include, but are not limited to, the National Coffee Association, the Specialty Coffee Association, the Green Coffee Association, the Barista Guild of America, and many regional coffee not-for-profits in both the United States and throughout the world. And they all promote the Q, which is for Q. R is for roasts. Roast is another part of that coffee taxonomy. Most of us consume coffee brewed from roasted beans. Roasts range from light to extra dark, although coffee marketeers use many terms to describe their roasts, like city roast or French roast or Dean Martin roast. There's no best roast. It's a matter of personal choice, although one common misconception is that the darker the roast, the stronger the coffee. Actually, the opposite's true. Lighter roasts have a higher concentration of caffeine than darker varieties. For everything you want to know about roasts, check out this site. From who else? The National Coffee Association. Motto? What was that? S is for Seinfeld. Coffee is inextricably tied to Jerry. Sure, I could have gone with the television show Friends as the one television program to promote coffee culture above all others, but I really feel better about Seinfeld as a choice. Why? Well, first of all, it's a better show. Second, it predates Friends. And then there's so many great episodes that involve coffee and its accoutrements, which I think is French for paraphernalia, the legal kind. I'm talking about the aforementioned coffee without cake incident or the coffee table stain caper, or the many episodes that centered around the coffee table book 
that's also a coffee table. And Jerry doesn't just play a coffee drinker on TV. He's a true coffee fan, as demonstrated in many different interviews and from his new reality series that mashes up all his favorite things, comedians and cars getting coffee. So stop being cynical out there. I chose Seinfeld over Friends, not because Coffee ABC's already had an F and needed an S. I chose it for all the reasons I just mentioned. T, well, that's for 29th. September 29th is National Coffee Day. In fact, it's also International Coffee Day. According to my research, because someone has to research this stuff, no one really knows how September 29th got this distinction. Some countries refuse to join the international community and select different days. Nepal's National Coffee Day is November 17th. Indonesia's is August 17th, which is also their 4th of July. That is, Indonesian Independence Day. But wait, there's more. In Italy, April 17th is National Espresso Day. Nepal, November 17, Indonesia, August 17, Italy, April 17. What is it with the number 17? But while Italy is celebrating espresso on April 17th, in the U.S. we wait until November 23rd for National Espresso Day. And November 8th is National Cappuccino Day. September 6th is National Coffee Ice Cream Day. All this hoo-ha over coffee. And still, Schlumpia doesn't get a day. U is for unusual. Coffee has some unusual uses. It's not just for breakfast anymore. Here at KarmaSense, we're all about being healthy, happy, and... Oh yeah, saving the world. One way you can help save the world is to redirect your grounds from the rubbish bin and apply it to the millions of uses for spent coffee waste. They're great for compost, acidifying the soil, repelling fleas, slugs, and cats. Probably not those coffee-pooping civet cats, though. You can kill roaches with them, clean all sorts of household items and locations, repair furniture and floors, tenderize meat, tenderize your own skin, and that's just a start. There are just so many better places for coffee grounds than the landfill. And if you suddenly find yourself with more uses than grounds, go to your local coffee shop and ask them for theirs. They'll be more than happy to comply. V is for variety. Well, coffee's for pedants. And after quality and roasts, variety may be the last bastion of coffee nerddom. This is where taxonomy really applies. In biology class, you learn the taxonomy that applies to all living things, not to be confused with the energy field that connects all living things. That would be the force. Checking my sources. Here's what I found on the web for where taxonomy really apply biology class. You are the taxonomy. Well, thanks for that, Siri. I didn't really mean to uh, ask you anything, but yeah, thanks for that. Anyway. The taxonomy is a hierarchy that goes tops down from kingdom to phylum to class to order to family to genus to species and then variety, which is what V is for. Within the Caffea genus are two species, Arabica and Canifora, and Canifora is generally considered to be a lower quality coffee, which is why it's known by its marketing name of Robusta. Within each of these species, there then is a number of varieties, and those varieties have co a common ancestor that started in Ethiopia. But as Arabica spread around the globe, different varieties emerged with different genotypes and different flavor profiles, such as chocolate, berry, tobacco, and other nouns stolen from the wine industry. 
If you're one of those folks whose interest in coffee goes beyond appreciation and trends towards idol worship, I posted a 30-minute lecture on this topic on the show notes. But let's leave variety, because W is probably the one you've really been waiting for. W is for wellness. Coffee is medicine. A. Arteriosclerosis. B. Brainstem stroke. C. Cancer. Originally, I thought I could just build my Coffee ABC's whole case around coffee's health protective benefits. But coffee seems to be such a panacea that science announces new discoveries of coffee's contribution to wellness every day. And this is why the Dietary Guidelines for Americans took the radical step of endorsing coffee in the first place. Whether it's heart disease, hardening of the arteries, stroke, type 2 diabetes, cancer, Parkinson's disease, depression, cirrhosis, hepatitis C, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, dry eye, gout, MRSA, walking pneumonia, and the boogie-woogie flu, while those last two are probably wrong, coffee's been shown to have protective effects on all of those. And with the frequency of health benefits being discovered, I can't possibly keep up to date. So instead, I link to a great slideshow in the show notes and push that burden on its author. X is for XCT, the bulletproof way to get fat and waste money. And note I didn't say ecstasy, which is another substance promoted by bulletproof zealots. I said XCT. Let's start this tale with coffee because somehow that seems relevant. Bulletproof coffee is a mixture of coffee, butter from grass-fed cows, and XCT oil which is a marketeer's name for medium-chain triglycerides, which is an overly technical name for coconut oil. The three are blended together and offered to you as part of the so-called Bulletproof Diet. The Bulletproof Diet is the brainchild of former Silicon Valley executive gone biohacker Dave Asprey, and it's pretty popular among the Silicon Valley and other wellness gurus. As part of the diet, Followers drink Bulletproof coffee as the one and only item for breakfast. Alleged benefits include weight loss, greater energy, and extreme mental focus. Of course, to maximize those effects, it's best if your coffee is Bulletproof brand and your medium-chain triglyceride oil is the proprietary Bulletproof XCT version. If you can't tell on your own, I link to a site that explains why Bulletproof is bull crap. There's nothing wrong with bulletproof coffee per se, but if you prefer your coffee black, you're better off keeping it that way. Why is for Yemen, where mocha comes from. That chocolate-flavored coffee you love so much is named after the Yemeni port of mocha. Once the Ethiopians realized the coffee-fused gold mine they were sitting upon, they became really protective of their secret. Ultimately, the beans found their way across the Red Sea to Yemen. From there, Seedlings found their way upon India-bound ships at the port in Mocha, from India to Java, from Java to Holland, and the rest is history. Z is for zero. No, not zero is in my level of confidence that you made it this far through the podcast. Zero is in calories. Look, coffee. It's social. It's sensual. Coffee's history, science, language, and culture. It cures what ails you. All that with virtually zero calories but only when you drink it black. What other discretionary food or drink has all those benefits without adding a single calorie to your diet? Tea. And many of the benefits of coffee apply to tea as well. And there are benefits and risks with tea that coffee doesn't have and vice versa. But tea and coffee are about it. Diet caffeinated drinks? Nope. Way more downsides, very few upsides, and they're gross. 
But that's why Z is for zero, and that's how many more letters we have to go through. And we've now reached the exciting conclusion of episode 21 of the Foodcast, The Coffee Lover's ABCs. Check out the show notes for links to everything I talked about and for pass to download your very own Coffee Lover ABCs infographic. It's formatted like one of those charts you had in kindergarten that helped you learn your alphabet. The PDF file that it comes in is hyperlinked to each of the resources I mentioned. As new insights develop in the world of coffee, it'll help you stay up to date. Because do you really want to miss the results from 2017's Latte Art World Championship Open? I didn't think so. And if you print out the infographic, you can cut out each of the letter squares and make clever coasters for your coffee mugs. All you need to do is enter your email address and you'll be sent to the webpage for downloads. By giving your email address, you'll become subscribed to my KarmaSense newsletter that keeps you up to date on all things KarmaSense. If you don't want to subscribe, it's real easy to unsubscribe once you get your infographic. Also, if you're tech savvy, you can probably figure out how to get it without giving me an email address. I didn't really make it that hard. But I hope you subscribe and stay subscribed. To subscribe and to get your infographic, go to karmasensewellness.com slash foodcast slash coffee foodcast. No spaces, no hyphens, no mottos, no bullshit. karmasensewellness.com slash foodcast slash coffee foodcast. Look for the little box for entering your email. If you have trouble, you can email me at davyh at karmasensewellness.com. Meanwhile, I'm going to shut up for now. So until next time, remember what your old pal Tina Turner once said.
I am King Ahasuerus, Esther is my lovely queen. I am King Ahasuerus, I don't remember this part of the song. From India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces. From India to Ethiopia. I don't remember the rest of the song.